Welcome to the podcast, People More Interesting Than Me. I'm your host, Michael Strumsky. This week, we'll be diving into the world of writing through the eyes of a ghostwriter. Our guest today, Haley Justine, has spent years working behind the scenes, crafting compelling stories for others without receiving recognition for her work. As a ghostwriter, she has written for a wide range of clients, from celebrities to business leaders. Her job is to take their ideas and turn them into a polished, publishable work. Our guest's ability to capture the voice and style of her clients has made her an invaluable asset to the writing industry. Throughout the episode, we'll hear a little bit of her writing process, the challenges she faces in her work, and what it takes to be a successful ghostwriter. From working with tight deadlines to maintaining confidentiality, we'll gain a unique perspective on what it's like to be a behind-the-scenes writer. So join us as we take a journey into the world of ghostwriting and hear from a writer who has helped countless others share their stories with the world. Enjoy. Kind of elaborate, I guess, on what you do specifically writing. Yeah, so I, um, I'm i a ghostwriter and I write books for other people. And when I say other people, I mean everybody. <laughs> Ultimately, I've got like you're very casual, like I want a memoir written of my grandpa kind of client. And then I work with high profile celebrity clients. I do fiction. I do nonfiction. I do everything. But I write the book. Um, my clients get to take credit for the book. They pay me a flat fee, um, but I'm kind of the the wizard behind the screen, so to speak. I'm making the magic happen. <laughs> One thing I just want to point out just because I, I read through all the all the background research I did, and there's this one thing I didn't see. You have to have a personality for it, too. That's one thing I, I don't think it's talking about, because it takes, like, I, I hate to sound nerdy, but it's like you're you're the Batman of the writing community. Like, you don't care. You, you don't care about, like, all the praise, all that stuff. You're just trying to do, like, good work. You're making, like, all these other people's dreams come true. Not that yeah. Batman really does that. <laughs> no, no, I love that. No, yeah, I am. Um, that's exactly what it is. And I know there are other ghosts, so I don't want to speak for everybody. There are other ghostwriters who would say, I do wish I got some credit. I do wish I could put my name on my books. I personally have always loved that I can't. In fact, it's kind of an internal struggle for me if I ever will publish on my own. And I think I might at some point, but the one thing holding me back has been the fact that when you publish on your own and a book gets really big, you give up your anonymity. So I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'd love to be famous. That's never really been me. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love that it's so behind the scenes. I love that I get to do great work, do best-selling work. I get to see the accolades my work has done, but nobody's looking for me. <laughs> yeah. So I read a little bit that you had done, like you were writing Kindles, Kindle books before you started ghostwriting. So how did you, how did you land from doing that to ghostwriting? Because when I was thinking, I was like, nobody, nobody, this is like one of those jobs where you fall into. It's not like on career day, somebody comes in and says, yes, I'm a ghostwriter. And then the kids say, oh no, you know what I mean? They, they immediately think what it sounds like. Fire drill sounds like a fire yeah. going into a wall in a drill right, right yeah no I not every ghostwriter I talk to seems to have this falling into its story so you're absolutely right it's just 
I think it's one of those jobs that is ultimately not very well known. So it doesn't even give you the opportunity to be like, I want to do this. It's so hidden. <laughs> even when you try to find articles about ghostwriting, there's so few and far between that really get into what it is. Um, so I, I started in self-publishing and I did that mostly because I was sick of my normal jobs. I was also pretty young. I was in like my early 20s and I was trying the freelance thing and a lot of people were getting a lot of money on Kindle at that time. Some people still do, of course, but it was like the golden age of Kindle where you could write very little and make a lot of money if you were good at marketing and, and all of that. And I wasn't bad at it. I will say I did make like an average of like, oh, I won't say, but your, your average income I made with it. It's just that it took so much out of me. It's very much like you're making the cover for the book. You're doing the marketing. You're running the ads. It's not just writing. And there was a point where I just needed a break. It was like I was putting out books so much and just constantly worrying about how successful they were going to be. But there were other people in the indie publishing sphere who needed their books written. They also wanted a break, but they wanted a break from the writing. So there were colleagues of mine who I just knew from networking who were like, I'll pay people to write this book. Um, obviously, it was nowhere near what I get paid now. <laughs> it's like lower level, you know, the kind of ghostwriting you might see on like Upwork, um, just not high paid, but I was getting similar amounts for publishing my own work. And I was suddenly like, wow, I don't have to market. I get to just write this book, know what I'm getting paid. Um, there was kind of a piece in that for me. And mm -hmm. I fell so immediately in love with it. And do you feel like, you know, I've heard a lot, a lot of writers, uh, like, for example, if they're feeling in a rut or they want to consistently get better, they'll write no matter what, five pages a day, something like that. Do you feel like this improved your your technique or your range? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I always say this and I, I mean, I try not to too often because I feel like some people will take offense. And it's funny because people genuinely think of ghostwriters as secondary writers. Like if you can't make your own publishing career work, you ghostwrite. You're the, like the less skilled writer. And I don't think that's true. I think it's like the farthest from the truth. I think ghostwriters are some of the most skilled writers you're going to find because most writers are just writing in their genre and in their own voice. And it takes a level of analysis and technique to do multiple genres and multiple voices. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It honed my skills on a level that I just... I, I would never have gotten otherwise. And I've written so many books because back then I was working on volume since I wasn't making a lot. And I'm a very quick writer. So I was doing like a book a month. <laughs> and so I've, I've racked up dozens and dozens and dozens of books. So absolutely. I think it just more than going and getting my degree or anything else that really honed my skill set. Okay. So it sounds like kind of like a master of all disguises, like different genres, different voices it kind of, I don't know, increased your range to, I guess, bigger stuff than the Kindle books. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, because I mean, even writing self-publishing obviously helped me, but I was mostly sticking to like the romance genre. Um, and then suddenly there are people who were wanting like cozy mysteries, which is, can be a very challenging um, genre and historical fiction, which is very challenging because you've got to get into a, a lot of background. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. That was like me really going out and seeing to the extent I could push my skills. Since you mentioned that, when you said like 
like mysteries and cozy stuff like that. When you have to write something like that, do you go to a coffee shop in like a small town and just like absorb stuff and kind of use that as kind of like, uh, well, fill, not filler, but you know. I am so not a like leave my house to write person, but I am a very strong maladaptive daydreamer. So in my head, I'm there. <laughs> in my head, I'm in that cute town, which is really so funny because I don't read a lot of cozies, but they're one of my favorites to write because the world is so expansive and so warm despite like the murder coming on. Um, so I, it's like my most favorite genre. And I really do get like in my head and I will do little things like I'll grab like a cup of tea if I'm like in that kind of mood or like put on the fire, like set the scene. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I very much go into that world in my mind. So what have you learned are like the biggest challenges? You know, not to sound arrogant, but I'm very well matched to this career. So I haven't had too many challenges in terms of like actually writing the books. I think if anything, I'll say the hardest part of my job as an introvert is what I'm doing now, these interviews. Um, and it's not that it, they're hard, like on a technical level, because I'm pretty good at that as well, but like, it just is very draining. So like I had a call this morning, it went on like between two and three hours and I felt so exhausted, like physically exhausted. I think it's just an introvert thing. Like when you're putting out that much energy to talk to your client, which involves not just asking them questions, but being very relatable. Um, it's a lot of conversation. It's like a lot of friendly cha uh, chatter. Um, yeah, that that's just what gets tiring to me. But I also love it, obviously. That's where I get a lot of my, where's the direction of this story going? How are we going to frame this? And I get very close to my clients. So I, I would never say I dislike it, but it is definitely draining. Yeah, and I think I, I mentioned this earlier. I mean, you are the expert interviewer. This isn't like normal writing where you're just writing from thin air, writing for research. You're writing off of basically what someone wants. You're catering to their needs, their voice. How do you balance your technique and your voice with kind of what they want? A lot of my clients want my perspective and seek it out. So they make it very easy for me. But ultimately at the end of the day, since they're paying me, if my vision, if what I think is going to be the best doesn't coincide with what they want, I always yield to my client. It's like somebody coming over and painting your house lime green. And maybe they think it's really hideous, but you know, it's, you're paying. Your clients always, right? Yeah. Exactly. So ultimately, and I'm, I do take a, a very like hard line of objectivity in my work and I'm like very good at criticism. So it, it never, I've heard other writers say, what do you do when a client just, they're ruining the book? I'm like, I just don't care. I just, I let them, that's their book. We're going to do it how they want. Um, I don't get that close to it, but I do find most of my clients deeply respect my opinion and want to know the direction that I want to take it. And they'll ask for my feedback. And so for the most part, um, our visions just align and they see that what I'm doing is very much improving upon what they want to do. But you must have some outliers that come back and they read the book, like you worked with them in the book and then they, you can tell that they're very, like they, they love the book and then they start showing it to their friends and stuff like that. Do they ever come back and be like blaming you for some reason, you even know though what? they're the one? I've, I've oddly never had that happen. Um, and I that think it's great. Because 
<laughs> yeah, not, it's not just like a testimony to my skill. Honestly, it's a testimony to how good I am at assessing very fast if we're not going to work together. So I'll usually, I've had clients drop me, though I've had not, none of it has been uh, mean spirited. In fact, I've had clients who drop me, recommend me to other potential clients. So it's not that they didn't think I was skilled. We just couldn't make it work. A lot of the time they even like blame themselves. They're like, I'm just not in the space yet to do this because it's just not resonating. Um, but I usually find that out in like chapter one, you know, so I've never gotten to a point where like the book is published and they're happy with it and they have come back unhappy. I've heard that from other ghostwriters though. So maybe I'm like cursing myself. It's going to happen to me now, but <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I hope I don't, I don't jinx you with, with that. <laughs> but I mean, we were working so closely for so long and doing so many edits in the process that I think for the most part, the client is just so happy with it at the end of it. And a lot of my clients are high profile. So we're working with their publisher too. And we're getting a lot of editorial notes from other very high profile people in the industry. And so that just makes for a pretty good product. And I guess, especially with COVID, uh, well, I feel like, let's say maybe like 30% of the population was actually using video conferencing like this. And then after COVID, I think, was there like an influx of people trying to do this just be, especially like all over the US? You know, um, that's a great question. I think there was a slowdown in 2020 for a while because a lot of people had a lot of uncertainty, but I do think there's been a higher influx since then. I don't know if it's related to Zoom specifically, because in my experience, I just see ghostwriting climb every year, like year after mm -hmm. year, we see more and more books and it's getting to a point where just like culturally we're allowing for more people to write books so like we've seen we saw in like the 2010s right the rise of the influencer books the youtuber books and those were like the very conventional like i'm an influencer i have this great lifestyle i'm traveling i'm attractive but now in like the advent of TikTok, we're seeing influencers that are really just people like describing their jobs and showing their lifestyle. And now they've got 500,000 followers and they can write a book about just being like a hospice nurse, you know? So now we're seeing more and more people wanting books from ghostwriters in that realm. So I just think that it's, it's rising for so many reasons. And every year there seems to be a new reason, but, um, it's just a very growing industry. I know you can't say any of your clients, but you bring up a good point. Are influencers a big client, if you can say? Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely worked with influencers and people with a platform. Um, and then on top of that, you'll get like a lot of reality TV stars um, doing books. Um, but absolutely, I think that's a huge market. Um, and it's an important one, because I think that now we're getting influencers who, like I said, aren't really influencers. They're really people with jobs who can write not just memoirs about their cool life, but they're writing um, what we would call like expert influenced nonfiction, like mm -hmm. um, expert based nonfiction. And that is its own genre um, that we love to see, that we love to read. Um, so, yeah, that's that's absolutely on the rise. Okay. Can you kind of walk us through what the process is? Like from, let's say, somebody contacts you and says, hey, uh, I've got, let's say an agent contacts you and I've, I've got a client that's interested in doing a memoir type book, I guess. 
Yeah. So that's great. A great question. And I'm glad you specified like an agent, because honestly, the process is different for every kind of person and whether the book is fiction or nonfiction, but I do get reached out to literary agents pretty commonly. Um, and it's very much, if we haven't worked together before, or they don't have a very close recommendation, like a colleague who's worked with me, then we might sit down for an interview and chat. Um, I think mostly they want to make sure you're like a presentable professional person, like a lot of like writers. legit. Yeah. 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 And I mean, even among decent writers, there's a lot of people that are not as good in their presentation and you don't want to send that person maybe to your celebrity client. <laughs> yeah. So we'll meet, if they like me, then we'll go meet with the client. Usually they're meeting with multiple ghostwriters too, especially if it's a high profile client. So they'll have short interviews. We usually do like a 30 minute little meet and greet, talk about the book, my vision, my credentials. And then from there, um, if they wanna work with me, the agent will work out the contract. I'll, if they don't have all the clauses I want in there, obviously I'll make sure that they add them. And then we get started. Uh, sometimes they come to me with, a book proposal, which means they already kind of have a book plan in place, um, which is basically a breakdown of all of the chapters that they want in their book. And sometimes we go straight off that. Sometimes I even, and this is what's interesting about ghostwriting. I think people assume if you have an outline and you give it to them, they do exactly that. The ghostwriter is just the writer. In reality, I wear like a lot of hats as a ghostwriter. I'm really the ringleader of this book getting done. Not so much the agent, not so much um, the publisher. Like they check in with me now and then, and I'm the one who's like getting my client to meet with me and um, making sure the content is where it's at. So sometimes I get a book plan and I'm like, look, I'm, I think we can shape this up some. I think we can tie this together with a stronger theme. I run that by my client and the publisher. And then suddenly I'm, I'm changing up this whole book plan. <laughs> and so that happens all the time. Um, and sometimes they don't have a book plan at all. And I'm the one doing the book proposal. Anyway, what eventually happens is we start sitting down for interviews. Um, I'm kind of guiding us chapter by chapter and then writing those chapters and getting their approval. It totally makes sense that you're the ringmaster because this isn't like a normal book where it just sells and your name's all over the book. You actually have to put this body together because what maybe there's five or seven people who know that you're writing the book their recommendation is what's kind of spreading the knowledge that oh she wrote his book he, she would be great for this mm -hmm. word of mouth for you is kind of how you get more jobs when you say yeah absolutely it's so important obviously I also have profiles out there on like kind of higher level marketplaces and I'm part of several agencies so I get leads from there but I personally obviously always prefer word of mouth because usually they're coming to me and they're only interested in me which is like the best case scenario for me I'm not competing with other ghostwriters <laughs> but um yeah absolutely word of mouth is deeply important and it's like the more books you do just the wider spread that network seems to happen and I'm always surprised even by how far it goes because like I'll get people that are like I've never worked with a person who recommended me but they're like I spoke to this editor who edited your work and your client really recommended you and now they're recommending me and we've never even had a conversation <laughs> that's but, crazy yeah uh so I guess what what do you think sets you apart from other ghostwriters. I know you said you know a bunch of them, but I guess if you had to say 
what set you apart from other one, like a specific genre, maybe working in what specifically is your uh, expertise, I'd say? You know, I think actually what sets me apart is the fact that I don't have any specialization. And there's a few other ghostwriters who are like this that I know. And I, from what I've noticed, it's mostly us younger ghostwriters versus um, the older ghostwriters I know. They tend to specialize. They do self-help. They do memoir. They do this or that. It's not super common to do fiction, to do nonfiction, to do self-help, to do memoir, to do fantasy, to do romance. So that absolutely is a selling point for me, though it can also be a negative if somebody's like, I want the best memoir writer and they really want a specialist. Um, they might feel like the specialist is more experienced, even if that's not true. Even if I've worked on volume on more memoirs, sometimes that happens in people's heads. But in general, um, yeah, I think the fact that I'm a generalist kind of sets me apart. I also think obviously I'm set apart from what I call like the lower level of ghostwriting where mm. people like I've been featured in NPR and I work with celebrity clients and I've had best selling books. So those are all factors. But there is like a smaller pool of people who are in my ghostwriting sphere. It gets a lot tighter at the level of people like working with celebrity clients and um agents and traditional publishers do you guys have like a secret bar in like new york city that you guys all frequent or something like that like a secret <laughs> membership club or anything like that what actually and i'll go ahead and plug this because i love the organization so much but um online there is the association of ghostwriters which is um ran by a woman uh, marcia turner and i love it I love that place so much we have got a Facebook group to like chat um and it, she also sends out leads and people find you from those membership pages so it's a great organization love it and I love Marsha um but that we really do have a community in that way like obviously it's not in the real world <laughs> yeah online but there really is a huge sense of community and I also think that people assume it's super competitive. You're like keeping your secrets to yourself. Um, you're not telling other ghosts about what you're doing. And I have found like the exact opposite of that. There's just so much openness. There's so much, I can't work on this project. Does somebody want to take it? Like, um, can you talk to me about your contracts? Uh, let me vent about this client situation. What do you guys think I should do? It's very, very open. Um, I don't feel any like negativity or competition I never have in that sphere I have only felt very welcomed so there is a very strong community at the upper level of ghostwriting okay it's it's very unique I I didn't think I'd ever have somebody on who would talk about ghosts you know it's like, you just said and then the ghosts talk about it and I was just like man uh, too and I feel like I it's not normal jargon people always kind of look at me weird but I, is it, I yeah I was gonna say do you ever talk about it in public and oh she's talking about ghosts let's leave right now <laughs> no but you know what I had just this is a few weeks ago I was getting a quote for some like liability business insurance because I was thinking uh I've, I have like a non like liability clause in my contracts but like maybe play it safe and get some quotes and she's like okay so what's your job and I'm like oh I'm a ghostwriter and she's like what oh a, a ghostwriter but she didn't get it and I I don't usually have this problem usually like I can explain it and people get it and I'm like she's like well what do you do and I'm like well I write books for other people and she's like oh I thought you said ghost writer like Nicolas Cage movie <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
not that. <laughs> That's funny. She knows a dated bad Marvel movie, but she doesn't know uh, what Ghost Rider is. That's funny. Uh, so I, since you guys have such a strong network, one of the questions that popped up to me today is, had, I mean, it's happened before, but just curious if you've ever heard of like a ghostwriter, like breaking NDAs and just being blackballed, anything like that. Um, yeah, like there's always those kind of like weird stories in the industry. We actually just had like a scandal recently where and I, I don't forget the name, but honestly, I probably won't want to say the name anyway. But no, there, was no, an author, I don't either. there was an author who um, they got accused of plagiarism. Turns out it was like the ghostwriter who had plagiarized, or at least that's what they come out to say. And I think the ghostwriter like agreed and like took took claim to it. But every once in a while, yeah, you hear those scandals like that. You hear weird stuff like the ghostwriter who was halfway done with Aaron Carter's memoir is going to like publish it and finish. And then that's a whole like conversation in our community. So there's definitely the scandals here and there. Um, but they're very few and far between for the most okay. part. I was just curious about that. It's more of like a, like a gossip question. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there's always those, those bad apples. What I usually find too is whenever I hear about this, it's always a ghostwriter I don't know, which like I've said, we're like a pretty tight community and I do keep up on what other ghosts are doing. So um, if anyone ever wants to find reliable ghostwriters, I do recommend the Association of Ghostwriters just because I've never heard of anyone there doing anything shady. I haven't heard of any ghosts I know doing anything shady. It always seems like the ones that are kind of working out of like the conventional networks and the, like the conventional community. Not the actual ghost network. You know exactly. I mean? like the, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, one two silly questions one have you ever been out in public and somebody's raving about one of the books you you wrote and you just just smile and it makes you feel good no but i'm waiting for it to happen i'm waiting for it for the i day. guess you just gotta wait in the bookshops for it it's exactly yeah i don't hang out in a lot of these spaces where i even hear people talking about books unfortunately but hopefully that moment is coming for me last stupid question what is your opinion on ChatGBT and all that stuff it can do? Oh, I don't think that's stupid at all. It's like a huge conversation point right now. Um, my opinion of it as like, is my job safe kind of perspective is that it is for like a long, long time. I think ChatGPT is coming for the copywriters a lot sooner than me. Um, and I'm honestly impressed with it. I know a lot of people tend to be like, oh, it's so dumb, it can't do anything. That's not really my opinion. I actually think it's really impressive. I think it's growing at a crazy rate. And I think it's, it is gonna put a lot of people out of a job in the long term. The one thing I don't think it's, it's gonna be able to do authentically for a very long time is to write in a human way that we need in books because it could probably mimic like a romance scene it could mimic what it sees but like so much of what we love in literature are these like human themes that we put into it these like underlying notes of society and culture um what we love in a memoir are these like very personal stories and like chat gpt is not going to be able to interview like I am as a human being who's trying to explore your story. So I think for books, it's a long way off. And maybe it'll always be off because I just don't know if an audience is ever going to be like, 
I want to read a book written by a robot, you know, it's just the one thing we do that is still so human and so far from tech that I think that we're going to want to hold it very dear, especially as AI grows and I think people form a contentious relationship with it. So maybe mm -hmm. it'll never take over books, but either way, I don't see it happening for a good, good decade. Do you, do you ever use it for any of your research? Obviously you just started uh, popular in like the last four or five months or something like that. No, I don't. Um, Cause I just don't feel like it's that strong at research yet. Um, but I've, I've only played around with it and like tried to make it write little articles. I also think I'm not great at using it. Like I know there's people that really know how to prompt it and that's not me. <laughs> I, I'm, I haven't learned to master it and I probably won't cause it's just it just seems like a thing I don't have time for. Um, but yeah, I haven't utilized it too much in a in a professional sphere. Okay, yeah. It, I definitely agree with the, the human touch. It's far away from it, especially like nuances that people only think about. Like to compare it stupidly to Instagram, it's like when you're on Instagram and you see something that's never spoken of and it just clicks with you. Like, yeah. I don't know, the way the toilet paper like lays in the bathroom left or right the these huge and very important discussions yeah absolutely and I think that we're always going to crave that and like I said I think people are going to get more and more contentious towards AI especially as like jobs start disappearing I think we're honestly I think we're eventually going to see a movement of people being very anti-AI which I think is fair in so many ways um, I also think it's an incredibly interesting technology so I don't think we're going to lose that part of us that wants human stories, though. And that's the part that is just never going to be able to emulate. Okay. So the last question that I ask most people, what is something that your parents did that you'd like to pass on to a next generation? And what's something that you'd want to do a little bit differently or kind of take out that you had in your childhood? That's so interesting. Um, well, I will say my mother is like a very strong woman um, and she definitely instilled that in me. Um, a lot of just feminist ideology. And I think that she definitely made it very clear to me that like you cannot and you're never gonna rely on a partner for what you need financially. And I definitely think that that has driven me to where I am in my career. I took that very much to heart. Not to say, by the way, anything negative about stay at home parents. I think that like, obviously that's very critical. We hope that when we have kids, my husband will be able to stay at home with them. And um, I think that's like very honorable, but I, the mentality is more like have a plan, have a backup, even if you decide that staying at home for your family is what you want to do, like have something where you're never stuck. Um, and I very much took that to heart in developing my career. Um, and then what would I do differently? Um, like, I can't say this is passed down from my parents specifically. I actually think it's like just very cultural, but I really appreciate some of the movements I've seen from like my childhood to, to now with like gentle parenting and the way that we approach like tantrums and thinking of them as like, this isn't um, a, a kid who's trying to get back at you. This is a kid who's having trouble regulating their emotions. And like, we're building upon that. And like, Back when I was a kid, it was just like, go to timeout, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was the norm everywhere. And I think just the way that we are approaching 
emotional regulation in children is so important. Um, and I, I love that, that we've kind of moved away from like conventional punishment like that. So hopefully, you know, if I could take anything into my parenting, that's what I hope to take into it. That's a great answer. I like that just because I have a two-year-old right now. So that's, that's kind of like, obviously I was raised kind of similar to what you were saying on kind of what you do with a angry or, I mean, they're just a child. It's, they don't really have re revenge. Exactly. Like that's, that's not a word in their vocabulary. So you have to collect yourself, obviously, and be the adult in the room. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's so funny because if you go back like far enough, if you go back to like 50s, like the mentality was literally that your infant was manipulative. And that's why they did cry it out for like newborns because it's like your infant just wants attention and they're trying to manipulate you into getting it. You have to ignore them. Like that's such a crazy mentality to have. Like that's a baby. They don't, they're not even thinking on that high level. Um, and I think we've just slowly moved away from that to realize like look this is just kids having the same emotions we have that we've just learned to deal with it's like if you're two and you get told like you can't have an ice cream that feels like the end of the world for the moment it seems silly but it's so true and I just love that we're approaching it with that mindset I think we're also just slowly treating like children more as like people and not like a little nuisance that we're we're trying to raise up like I really love just seeing them as like their own people with their own emotional world and like they're growing they're learning um but also uh I commend you for being the father of a <laughs> terrible twos two-year-old I know that's that's always a difficult phase yeah but it, it's double-sided it's just so awesome <laughs> I mean, it's obviously it's been a while since I was two, but it's so funny just what they find amazing, like dirt. Like, I can't remember the last time I found dirt amazing, but like just begs, begs to be in the dirt. That is absolutely like my number one reason that I want kids is like I- Dirt. Dirt, exactly. Yeah, I want to be interested in dirt, but I really do. Like, I want to have that like, oh my gosh, like the world is amazing through their eyes. And I think that they just like bring that joy into your life, like as hard as it can be, like they, they're just constantly reminding you of how cool learning is and how amazing the world is. And I love that. 100%. Uh, is there anything you're working on you'd like to promote or any, any, I know you promoted the uh, the Ghostwriters Association, but I did. Hey. Yes, yes. Um, let let me think on my behalf. Um, well, you can follow me on TikTok. I'm glittering ghostwriter on TikTok. And if you're interested in the career of ghostwriting, I also do have a course. Um, I know everyone has their courses right now. But um, unlike most people, I don't advertise like a get rich quick scheme. This is like a very slow built career, but there's not a lot of information on how to get into it. So I really take it step by step from beginner to trying to get on the upper level that I am now. And it takes time and experience and talent. But if you're like, this is something I'm really interested in, um, you can go to my website, glitteringghostwriter.com, and you'll find information on that there. Okay. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. I I kept on looking at the clock and I was like, man, another 10 minutes has passed. It was just going by so so fast. <laughs> oh, great. I'm I'm glad to hear it. But thank you. This was this was great. Thank you so much for having me. This is a very fun podcast you do. I love the concept. So thank you. If you like this week's episode of People More Interesting Than Me, please follow me on Apple Podcasts. 
so you won't miss out on more episodes like these.